It's great to be back uh, and looking around. There's a few faces that I know. There's a few faces that I don't know. Um, and maybe there's a few faces I'd like to know. But it's good to be here and to worship with you. I was encouraged uh, during the worship that you actually use one of Michael's songs. This guy's a gifted songwriter. He doesn't know I'm going to say this. Use his stuff. Encourage him. Uh, we've got a good worship team in our church, but we've nobody who can write songs. So if you've got a gifted songwriter, you need to use them. So that's just a word for you. Right. I like to get people involved when I'm, I'm talking, so you're not just sat there. So when I ask you a question, it would be good if you could respond. Is that okay? Okay, we'll try that again. <laughs> but the idea is I ask a question and then you respond. Okay, is that, is that okay with that? Yes. Okay. Do you believe God wants to speak to you this morning as a church? That's about half of you. I'll, ask, I'll try that again. Do you believe God wants to speak to you as a church? Okay. How many people know what a computer is? That's most of you. So you'll be familiar with the, the phrase, if you use emails, you've got mail. Yeah. That's, that's my message title this morning, you've got mail. Another question. Do you want God to move in this church? We'll try that again. Do you want God to move in this church? Yes. Do you want God to save people and add them to the church? Yes. Are you open to change? Yes. That weren't just as loud as the others, were it? <laughs> I'll try that one again. Are you open to change? Yes. Fantastic. I believe that God's got a message for you this morning. A story um, that I heard this week. God in heaven decides that he's a bit concerned about earth. And he wants to find out just how many good people there are on earth. So he sends one of his angels down and says, You know, I've heard that it's pretty bad in earth. So can you go and check it out for me? And come back with some statistics. So the angel comes back and says, it isn't good. 95% of the people are bad. And only 5% are good. And God thought, well, surely that can't be right. So he sent another angel. And independently, this angel went down and came back and said, well, God, it isn't good. There's only 5% good people. 95% are bad. So God said, well, I need to communicate to them. I know, I'll use an email. So God sent an email to the 5% good people. Do you know what the email said? I guess you didn't get it either. <laughs> Sorry about that. Psalm 37 some people are still explaining that. Uh, Psalm 37 says five things. Well, it says a lot, but there's five things that when I read this the other week, I thought, this is not only right for me, but maybe this is right for Lum. And I don't know a lot about the church. I know a lot about some of the people in the church, but I don't know a lot about the church. And these are the five things. Trust, delight, commit, be still, refrain. Can you say them with me? Trust. Delight. Commit. 
Be still. Refrain. They're in Psalm 37. Excuse me. Have I got the right one, Michael? This is the one on the right, isn't it? Okay. You haven't got anything, have you? Okay. Trust. I'm going to say how many people have had babies, but most of that would eliminate most of the guys, but I would think. Um, but, you know, if you, if you enter into uh, a part of your life where you're going to have a child, and that usually involves a guy doing a little bit as well, you've got to trust, and there's a big, a big trust about that. If we want to give birth to things, and if we want to give birth in churches to new people, there's a, a big element of trust Trust in the fact there's going to have to be sacrifices. Those of us who've brought children up realize that there has to be sacrifices at certain times of your life. You get put out a little bit. You get a bit inconvenienced. You get disturbed. Your routine gets up, sh- uh, shaken up a little bit. And I believe that's what it's like if, God, if you want God to breed, breed new life into a church and add to the church. There's going to be some sacrifices. But we've got to trust God in the midst of all that. And sometimes, you know, when we talk about change and people coming into a church, we get a bit fearful because most of us don't like change, if we're honest. But, you know, we've got to sometimes make life-changing choices in order to get the best from God. One day Jesus was going through a town and he invited two people to join his team. They refused. One of them said he had to go to a funeral. The other one said, well, I just need to go and explain things at home. The, 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 the passages in Matthew. Two people decided they didn't want to go with Jesus there and then. Matthew says, Jesus then went on and got onto a boat and left. Those two people who weren't up for it at that moment in time missed the boat. You know, when Jesus wants us to trust him for something, we have to respond there and then. And excuses don't really carry weight. We will miss the boat. Every day, you know, if we we trust God, he has things for us to do. When we wake up in the morning, when we think about the day, and as we go through our day, we should be thinking, as we see people, God, is, is that somebody you want me to speak to? Is that person somebody who I can show your love? Is that somebody who maybe I could invite to church or a social? Is this an opportunity to speak to my friend at work? We need to get excited and we need to be tuned in and trust God that he's going to give us opportunities every day. It's important that we're obviously tuned in to God. And we're listening to God. We've got to trust him totally. But we've got to be sure that our trust is not just based upon our feelings. There's another story about a a little boy who's watching his dad prepare a sermon. And he said to his dad, How do you know what to write and what to say in your sermon? He was in his office and and his dad dad said, Well, I spend time with God and God tells me what to say. And the little boy thought for a moment and said, why do you keep crossing things out? And, you know, we all believe that God has given us, you know, the ultimate in understanding 
and in words. But, you know, we do make mistakes. And everything that we do, we've got to trust God totally that it's him and him alone who's speaking to us. So that's a little bit about trust. The second bit in the psalm talks about delight yourself in God. And what does that really mean? I saw a sign somewhere, I think it was outside a church, and it said this, heaven is important, but it's not the end of the world. I thought, oh, that's pretty good. And you know, a lot of, a lot of the time we, we focus on what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. And it's going to be better. And it will be. But you know, Jesus said, I've come to give them abundant life now. Not when they die, when they go to heaven. I want them to enjoy life now. I want them to be the people that I want them to be excited about the fact that they know me now. You know, it's, in good, that, it's good that we remember the past, and we've got our centenary coming up in a couple of weeks at our church, and your anniversary is coming near uh, in a couple of weeks, isn't it? But, you know, we can learn from the past, but we haven't to put an halo on it. We've got to move on as a church. And so many of us, and I suppose I've fallen into this trap as well, we think, well, I'll be happy when I just get through this situation. I'll be happy when I'm on holiday. I'll be happy when I've retired. I'll be happy when the kids have grown up. I'll be happy when I've got the new job. But God doesn't look at, look at it like that. God says, I want you to enjoy life now. I want you to have abundant life now. I found a wonderful Scripture in Ecclesiastes 7. I'll just read it to you. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 20. Sorry, verse 10. Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it's not wise to ask such questions. And when I read that a couple of weeks ago, I thought, wow. You know, we all do that, if we're honest. Weren't the old days better? But God is doing something now. He wants us to learn from the past, but he wants us to move on. This is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it now and move forward. People want to see something in our lives. If we're really serious about reaching out to our community and our friends and our family, people want to see something in us that works, yes? Now we've lost it again. Yes? Good. There's a true story uh, about Billy Graham, and he was doing a big campaign some, probably in the 50s or the 60s in England, um, and he was coming out of where he was staying, and he had a letter to post. He had no idea where the post office was. So he saw a little boy. This is a true story. And he said to the little boy, do you know where the post office is? And the little lad said, yeah, it's just down the road and turn right. Easy. Billy Graham said to this little boy, you probably don't know who I am, but I'm Billy Graham, and tonight I've got a big crusade. And if you come, I'm going to tell people how to get to heaven. And the little boy said, no, thanks. You don't even know where the post office is. <laughs> and you know, sometimes we... We expect people to respond to us and we talk about the joy and the fulfillment that we have as Christians and yet it's not real in our own lives. People will come to us, come to our church if they can see a reality, something that's working. 
I don't know if anybody's seen the, the new Indiana Jones TV uh, picture. Yes, you have? Good lad. He's good as Indiana. Is he any good? It's all right. Not as good as the others. That's what my son said as well. Um, but if you remember, I think it was the second, no, it was the third Indiana Jones film. Um, his father got, gets killed, and he has to go through in this cave, and he has to get some water, and there's a load of different goblets. And he used to pick one of these goblets that he thought that Jesus would have, drink this, this water, and it would, it would uh, do something wonderful, give him eternal life. So one of the, the baddies looks around and he sees all these beautiful goblets and he picks them, the nicest looking one, the gold one, with all the stones and he picks it up, fills it with water and phew, it kills him. And then Indiana Jones looks around and he finds the most humble goblet there is. I think it was made out of wood. And he picks it and he says, this is the one that a carpenter would have. And he puts the water in and it gives him life. And you know, God is not looking for particularly special people. He just wants human beings who are open to him, but have got something precious inside. Somebody once described it, you know, as we're just clay pots. But if we've got a real relationship with God, inside is like molten gold. And sometimes when the, the, the pot gets a bit cracked, or as a hole appears, some of that gold spills out and people see it. And you know, often it's only when we go into really tough times and we crack a little bit and we creak that God has an opportunity to allow some of this gold stuff to spill out so that people can see that he's there and that he's real and that he wants to bless us. Trust, delight. The next thought is commit. Are you totally committed to God? Well, that's three people. We'll try again. Are you totally committed to God and this church? Good. What does it mean by being committed? There's a, a story that you'll all be familiar with in the, in the New Testament about Peter. Um, and he's on the boat and he sees Jesus in the water, standing in the water. Yeah? And Peter says... Does anybody know what Peter says? Well, I'll tell you. What? If that's you, Lord, let me come out. Now, just thinking about that for a moment, Peter's there on the boat. Because the, the, the emphasis of the story usually is people take their eyes off Jesus and start saying, don't they? We've heard that a lot in sermons. But let me, let me put another thought onto it. J Peter says, sorry about that, Peter says, Jesus, if that's you in the water, let me come and walk on the water. What? I wonder if he realized what he said. And the, probably the disciples were probably thinking, what if Jesus says it's me? And then Jesus says, yes, it's me, come out. So all of a sudden Peter's then, what have I said? Have you ever got in a situation where you never, wish you'd never open your mouth? I'm sure Peter must have felt like that. Lord, if that's you... Tell me it's you, and I'll come walking out on the water. And Jesus says, yes, it's me, come out. You know, and sometimes we say to God, Lord, if you really want me to do this, show me. And he shows us, and then we don't, well, hang on a minute, I don't know whether I fancy that. But Peter had to take that step. Once we open our mouth and we show that we're committed, we've got to go for it. But it meant that Peter had to get out of the boat. And, you know, sometimes we don't want to do that. 
And the boat can be all sorts of things in our life. It can be the things that we're used to. It can be doing something new. It can be talking to that neighbor that we really don't want to talk to and making a relationship with them so that we can give them an opportunity to come to something at church. If you get out of the boat, it means we've got to trust God. We've got to sometimes get out of our comfort zone. And we all like comfort, don't we? We all like to be in an area where we feel I'm okay with this. But sometimes when we say to God, yes, I want to follow you. I want, to, I want the church to be blessed. He's saying to you, I want you to get out of your comfort zone. And that is difficult. There's another story in the New Testament about the disciples climbing on the roof um, with the guy who couldn't walk and lowering him down to where Jesus was. And again, you all know that story, so I don't, I don't need to read it to you. But just, about, just think about the faith that those guys had. How ridiculous that would have looked if they'd have drilled a hole in the wrong ceiling and they'd been in the wrong house. If they'd have started digging and the whole ceiling had collapsed. If they'd have lowered the guy down and the ropes had have broke. If he'd have fallen out of the stretcher. They could have worried about all this stuff, but they didn't. They just went for it. They just went for it. They were committed to getting that guy better. So I, I believe that commitment means maybe making holes in ceilings, doing something that it's a bit risky, getting out of the comfort zone. Often, you know, we're afraid of failing. A lot of stuff doesn't happen in churches, and a lot of witnessing and, and relating to people doesn't happen because we're frightened of failure. There's no such thing as failure. It just means that you learn from that experience and you have another go at it. Don't be afraid of failure. God is doing some amazing stuff in our country. And often, you know, we're too critical. Some of the stuff wants looking at, obviously. But sometimes we just need to get on board with what God's doing. When, I, when my children were younger, if I were doing anything interesting, occasionally, <laughs> building things, my, my kids, particularly my son, wanted to just join in. And those of you who are into cookery or baking, sometimes children want to come and help you, don't they? Because they can see something interesting going on. They want to join in. And I believe, you know, God is doing amazing stuff. And we need to join in with what, what he's doing. We need to say to, to God, Dad, that looks interesting. Can I have some of that? Can I get involved with that? Can I, can I do that with you? Often, the other problem we have is, as we think about commitment, we run out of steam, we run out of energy, we run out of enthusiasm. Well, again, I came across another interesting scripture in Joshua. Joshua chapter 14. I'm sure this applies to a few people. Chapter 14, uh, 14 verse 10. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me, this is Joshua, alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old, and I'm still strong. Today, as, as the Lord sent me out, he want, I want him to send me. I am just as vigorous. Just as vigorous today at 85 years old. What time do you, re what age do we retire from Christian service? We don't, do we? Our role may change a little bit, but here's a guy just as vigorous at 85 years old as he was 45 years ago, wanting to serve God 
And that should be our desire, shouldn't it? Our commitment. Here I am today, 85 years old, totally committed to the cause. The next one, be still. When we think about being still before God, it conjures up all sorts of things in our minds. That's not necessarily what God had in mind when he mentioned that in the psalm, what David said that in the psalm. A little girl in Sunday school was once asked, why do we have to be quiet in church? The Sunday school teacher asked this little girl, and she turned around and said, is it because people are asleep? You know, and the sad thing is sometimes people go to sleep, not physically, but sometimes they go to sleep to what God wants to do amongst us. We need to spend quality time with God individually in order to find out what God wants to do amongst us. Exodus chapter 3. Let me just read this to you quickly. This was Moses. Again, a familiar story. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? We're all familiar with that, aren't we? Moses said, Who am I? And we've probably said that, haven't we? Who am I? I can't do that. But I believe, you know, that Moses was asking the wrong question. He shouldn't have been saying, Who am I? But rather, Who are you? Who is God? And once we understand who God is, he can do anything through the who am I. God is an amazing God. And you know, we get all wound up about, well, I'm, a I'm a sure this is what God wants me to do. I need a sign. And again, just a bit further down, he says that, and God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign. Because Moses is asking God, what sign are you going to give me so I can then go and do this work? And we're always doing that, aren't we, if we're honest? What sign are you going to give me, Moses says to God, so I can go and do this work? God says this, this is the sign. You will know that I have sent you when you have brought the people out. Not before, after. And again, that's amazing, isn't it? God said to Moses, I'm not going to give you the sign before. I'm going to give you the sign after. This is the sign. When you've done it, you'll know that I wanted you to do it. I think that's amazing. And you know, sometimes we dither about, oh, do you really want me to do this, God? And I'm sure God is saying to us, when you've done it, and because it will work, you'll know that it's me that said it. Sometimes we only get the sign after we've been committed and done what God wants us to do. That's called trust. That's called faith. Faith, we talk a lot about faith, but faith is actually about doing something. Faith is about risk. Doing something that we're not totally sure, but we've got a good feeling. We've spent time with God and we feel this is the right way to go. There are a lot of voices that, uh, that speak to us today on TV and from pulpits and all sorts of stuff that we say. We have to be careful. It is important that we are dis uh, discerning and we spend time, quality time with God. You know, I don't know much about uh, navigation. Most people know that I can get lost anywhere. But, you know, on a ship, you only need to be one degree off course. And if you're going a couple of hundred miles, you'll be miles off, won't you? If you keep one degree off course on that trajectory, you will be miles off and you'll never get home. So it's important that we're very clear that we're on the right track. 
and we spend time with God so that we're doing what God wants us to do and ending up where God wants us to be. And the final thought, we've talked about trust, delight, commit, and be still. The final one is refrain. Refrain from, well, it talked about getting wound up, basically, getting angry. And there's a lot of heartache in churches because people get wound up. People get stressed. You know, stress is an overused word these days. I think people use it for all sorts of excuses. Maybe sometimes you're just pressure or busy. But stress is overused. But God says, refrain from anger, overreaction. Don't get wound up by others. God in his wisdom knows what we need to change and to challenge our lives. Sometimes he puts us in certain situations. You know, we ask God to give us more love, so he will put somebody in our midst who is not particularly easy to love. So therefore, we've got to express and we're going to get challenged and tested on our love. People are put together in churches so that we can mould each other, we can teach each other, we can learn from each other, we can strengthen each other, we can have grace towards each other. But finally, we can be a little bit restrained. We learn patience through being amongst people who are very irritable to us. And when we experience irritations, that's when we really learn about patience. And if we're honest, we're all get, we all get impatient and a little bit stressed. Um, sometimes, if you're like me, you might have gone into a supermarket and you only want a few items. So you go to the 12 items and less counter and there's somebody in front of you with 13 items. You know, we've all been there, haven't we? And we allow that to wind us up. God wants to bring peace in the midst of chaos. Joy in the time of trouble. Proverbs 12 says, An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Where are you this morning? Psalm 37 says, Trust, delight, commit, be still, refrain. Trust that there's a word there for you, maybe more than one. But we need to put this into life. We need to put this into action if we want God to bless our church. Amen. I think as we prepare ourselves for communion now, um, we're going to sing Servant King. <laughs>